Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. I just locked in, and once I jumped, and I, I knew it was the one. And so once I got the pit, like, I was like, yes. I was like, what's some respect to my name? Like, I was just so happy. <laughs> and literally, that was the one that I made the team with. Marlon Humphrey is without a doubt in the conversation to be the best corner in football. <laughs> I'm sitting here with Quanisha Burks two times NCAA champ, Olympic long jumper, my fellow teammate at the University of Alabama, Alabama high school state champ like seven times? Twelve. Oh, goodness. Twelve times? Yeah. Good to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Any, any accolades that I missed? There? You did. You missed a okay. few. Um, Four-time SEC title, a winner, uh, SEC record. Yeah. SEC record? Yes. Um, you were there. <laughs> you Okay, okay. When I tied it, and then I have the school record, um, three school records in Alabama. That's still, uh, still there? Of course. Okay, okay, okay. And when I won my first SEC title, you were there as my teammate, Marlon. <laughs> Literally, we have a picture I'm going to show you, but um, you were there, <laughs> yes, and yes. I jumped, and that's when it changed, honestly, on that day of me winning. And I remember you were like, wow, you're good. You just won. And I was like, yeah. You know, let's get a picture. I was like, okay. And <laughs> at that moment, it literally changed for me, though. And then Coach Pay was like, you can do this on the next level. And I was like, what? Like, I'm just trying to graduate and have a family and get married. And I said, and he was like, yeah, you know, like the Olympics. And that's when I started winning and when I won nationals. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I want to do this now. All right. What was your, real quick, what was your, because I, I did long jump a little bit but mm -hmm. before we started to know this. What was your farthest long jump? In high school or now? Now. 22 feet, 10 inches. I don't know if I ever hit 23, so I need, I need to see that. I'm sure you didn't. But <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we got a tour of the facility. I showed you, yeah. gave you a tour of the Ravens facility. You were telling me earlier, which I didn't know, that you guys have a place to rehab and train and different things for pro athletes. How does that differentiate from what you've seen here? Um, it's completely different. You guys have access to everything. As with track, it's really considered like an amateur sport, and so there's like different training groups all around the country, literally America, and some people train in the Netherlands. And so we have our main facilities. Um, it's the Olympic Training Center. We have Colorado Springs and Chula Vista in California. And so with us, like if you're in a cheer program as well, you get access, you know, to like our sports psych, our massage therapists, like our doctors. We have certain doctors. So like for myself in December, um, I injured my knee. So they would fly me out to Colorado to the doctors, and they would put me in the Olympic Training Center. You know. We have like resources to food, like how everything is here, but it's there. 
but there's athletes that live on campus at the Olympic training centers, but a lot of us do not. And so it's like, if you're injured, like, you know, it's a lot to get up there, like to the center as well, instead of having the access right there with you. So how does it work if you're, who, do, who, do, who decides who gets to live there? How does that work? Um, it really determines on your performance. And so we have like USOPC and we have USATF and we're in cheer programs. And so they will determine like who gets to live on campus or live off campus and who has access to all like, like the therapists and like the doctors and everything like that. So it's really dependent on like if you're making teams or like, you know, if you're running fast, jumping far or throwing far, like it really determines on like what you produce. I think track is, when I look back on track, you know, I love track. I always knew it was a very, at, at the pro level, it's a very, this, this football is a very, what have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. But track takes that to the extreme. There was a, yeah. recently came out, um, a guy was speaking on it. If you're not top 10, in order, in order to make any money in track, you have to be top 10 in the world. Yes. While I suppose in football, you can be top 30 and make yeah. a really, you can be at the bottom half, <laughs> bottom. And how is it dealing with that pressure knowing if you don't run this, Nike might cut you. If you don't run this, this sponsor might drop you. How, how is that kind of going to your performance and your mindset? Um, it's challenging because, like, making our USA team is the hardest team to make. And so we have so much talent. And so just think about if I was in another country, a lot of athletes in America would be celebrities in, like, another country. But our team is so hard to make, and it's every four years to make the Olympic team. And once you think about track and field, everyone already asks, like, you run track, yes. The first, the next question is, are you training for the Olympics or are you going to the Olympics? No one knows about world championships, Pan Ams, or anything else. It's all about the Olympics. And we wait every four years to make the Olympic team. And so the pressure of being like, are we have Olympic standard? Like at our trials, this um, for the Olympic trials last year, everyone had the standard. That was an issue. It was being perfect on that day. And we have a two day um, process. And the first day, me and Brittany Reese were the top two lone jumpers. And as much as you want to get excited, you're like, yes, I just jumped far. But you can't because on the finals, you have to do it again. And you have to be top three on that day. And so when it's like, you can't be perfect, you really have to be close to perfect at the trials to make the team. Because we have college kids that they're running fast and they're going to be at the trials. We have veterans that are Olympic champions. And it's like a range. And so the pressure of knowing that we train for so many years for one day that we need to be perfect on to make the team. You may have like run fast or jump far and still not make the team. And so it's really challenging because other countries, they just get the standard they can go because they don't have that many athletes, you know, to go to their trials or to even make a team. So it's really stressful, to be honest. So speaking on pressure and stressful, how have you dealt with being able to get your body right? What do you do during the week leading up to a meet that makes you ready to go when it's yeah. time? Well, mentally, I have a sports psych and I have to see one. And honestly, she helped me a lot at the Olympic trials. And so that kind of calmed me down because we're competing against the best of the best. And you try not to compare yourself to others, but you really need to be that person because you need that money to make, like, to pay your bills. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, oh, like, with the sponsorships, they don't really give us money like that. So it's like, yeah, I know you jump far, but I got to jump further because I need that check. And so mentally, you know, try not to compare yourself as hard. But with my sports psych, we talk um, literally, like, on a Monday and then the day before or day of competition. And it really just like to calm me down. It makes me feel like, you know, don't worry about the results. Focus on the process goals and look at the end goal coaches as well like trusting your coach because some coaches will run you and if your body is not ready for that that's a challenge and so when I switch coaches my current my old coach 
the current coach I have now used to coach my old coach. So the program was like an easy transition for me to go to him. But a lot of people stay injured and with track and field, if you're injured that year, that's probably it. Like, yeah. you know, you better yeah. hope that you can come back in time to be, you know, perfect on that day at trials, but it's really hard. When you speak on the trials, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, I always wanted to run the Olympics, but it's, um, you have to be ready that day. There's, there's really no, nothing. nothing. What is it like, I know, making your first Olympic team, but what, what was it like going to that trials knowing, because track is a, a lot of times you have a small window, especially yes. for certain events. You're like, very few people have a 10-year track career when they're actually yeah. making multiple Olympic teams. I know some yeah. have done it in the past, but what is it like knowing, like, you're in your prime, you're 25 when you go to Olympics? Yeah, 26. 26, going to the Olympics. You're in that prime. You can always make the next one, but you know your best two chances are the next two. Yeah. What are you thinking about going to that trials, and why do you think you were able to ha have the success to make the team? Well, I competed. Um, I tried out in 2016, and I actually – not until I missed the finals by one spot, but I was in college. Yep. So at the time, I was a fan girl there and just didn't ever win. But I should have made the team then. But this year, um, especially with COVID, you know, pushing it back another year. So it's now it's five years. And so it was hard because in 2020, I was ready. I had just won USA Indoors. I was jumping my best and I was feeling my best. And then COVID happened. And it's like another year. And so it was really hard for me because, you know, you're like, this is the best year I was having. Ugh, like, I... You don't, you're not guaranteed another year. And so this past year, in 2021, literally everything's going good. And then I had a freak accident at practice and I um, definitely had um, bone bruising in my femur and my muscle, my popliteus muscle. It was just a lot to the point I had, a, I had a tear in my knee. I was in a boot and I had a PRP injection and I was not running, walking or anything. Oh, wow. And that was literally from all indoors. So like February to like late March, um, late April. And I couldn't walk, run, or anything. And you're seeing college um, athletes and professional athletes just jumping far, and they have the standard. And I did not have the standard, the Olympic standard. And the Olympic standard is basically for you, if you go to the Olympic trials and just say you get top three, but if you do not have the Olympic standard, you won't go. And they will take the next person in line. And so I was very stressed. And so being injured and not being healthy, it was a lot, and to the point like, I would go to doctors. I was traveling to different doctors, specialists, just trying to see how I can, like, speed up my recovery. And honestly, it was so bad. They're like, we don't know. Like, we don't know if you'll be back in time for the Olympic trials. And it'll be a miracle. And so yeah, imagine cool. knowing that you have to be your best, Ooh. your best already, and you're already, like, negative right now. And so I was like, okay. And so during that time, it was a lot of prayer, and just my sports side really helped me a lot. And my close friends really just, like, encouraged me. And like every day, I would just go to practice and try to do a jog, try to run. And eventually, I just started like, being able to like, pick up the speed. And my first meet outdoors, I jumped barely 19 feet. And I knew it was going to take almost 23 feet to make the team. So every meet, I was just like, OK, it's OK. Just get better. And I went to 20 feet, 21, but I wasn't there. And literally, the meet before the trials, I jumped the Olympic standard, which is like 22 mid like 22-3 or 22-2, and I jumped the, the Olympic standard. And so that gave me a sense of peace to go into the trials with the confidence, you know, that I got the standard. Now let's just go compete because with the win, if it's like not win, if it's win aided, it, it doesn't count. It can't oh, go over two points. Oh, so it's stressful trying to get the standard. So when I was at the Olympic trials, it was more of like I'm glad what I went through because 
I appreciated more being there. And I had a story because I wasn't top coming in. I wasn't performing like the best of the best. I was actually overlooked. And, but I was so grateful for everything I went through that I was just like, like I said, it's a miracle to be here that I was like, I can only leave it all out here. And so being out there, it was more of like myself. I wasn't like, com like comparing myself to others because my journey was different and I was confident. And I knew despite the outcome, I was happy and like celebrating myself because everything I went through, I'm here for a reason. And so that honestly gave me the peace. But the first day when I was going in, like after we jumped, I was ranked number two and Brittany Reese was number one. And so that kind of gave like a sense of confidence, you know, I'm ready, but you gotta stay humble for the final day. And on that final day, I was knocked down. Like I was going in, I jumped and I was in third place and I was getting knocked down all the way to sixth place. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have two jumps left. I'm not about to meet this Olympic team. And you know, old Q would panic and just oh, got overwhelmed. But I honestly just went to the side and I just prayed. And I was like, God, you brought me here for a reason. Like. I'm here, there's no reason I'm not gonna be Olympian right now, like this is gonna happen. And I just calmed down, relaxed, and thought about everything I went through. And those, day, those days I was by myself, and I got on that runway, and my coach was just like, all right, you're behind the board, we're gonna move you up. And I was like, no. And he was just like, what? And I was like, no, I'm gonna stay here, I'm gonna execute and run through the board. And I was like, all right. And then he went and sat down, and so I just locked in, and once I jumped, and I, I knew it was the one. And so once I got the pit, like, I was like, yes. I was like, put some respect to my name. Like, I was just so happy. <laughs> and literally, that was the one that I made the team with. So you make the team. Yes. <clears throat> I know you were happy. Of course, yes. excited. Um, what was it like? I know you go get fitted for all the Olympic gear. I yes. know that was, that was crazy. Going to the Olympics, being with, I mean, you're with. I think you took a I forget who you took a picture with uh, one of the basketball players, but you're with all the top yes. USA athletes, all just the world athletes. Yes. What is it like being with all those? I know when I got into the NFL, it's kind of like I'm at your level, but it's like it's crazy to see some of the guys and after games, like get Sherman's jersey, get different people's jersey that are across the league and they have respect for you and they know who yeah. you are. What was it like being around all those just stars and knowing you're one of those stars? It was uh, all moment. Like, I was like, wow. Like, Allison Felix. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, like, no. Allison. And, like, but I felt like I realized, like, I belong here. Yep. Like, and like you said, like, you know, when you're with the big time, it's like, we look up to them, like, you know, this is the best and you have to beat the best to be with the best. So, being there, I was like, wow. Like, and it didn't hit me, honestly, that I made the Olympic team. Until like I got to Tokyo with COVID, it was just so stressful. But once I got there, I was just like, I'm in the Olympic Village. Like what? They said Simone Biles was down here. Like what? I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and you try not to be a fangirl, but you're like, wow. So just being in the moment in the presence of greatness, it made me feel like, gave me hope of like, you belong here. And like, you know, you can make another Olympic team. Like you're an Olympian forever. And so having that opportunity, only 1%, I don't know if you knew, but only 1% made the Olympic team. And I'm in that 1% category. So it's an honor. I didn't know that. I didn't know. That. So Olympic yeah. Village. Yeah. That's just only basically Olympian territory. How does that? Y'all yeah. have food and every, you guys have everything you need, basically. Basically like this. <laughs> so okay. We get so, the okay. access to like what you guys have. Um, the village consists of like, it's like these tall buildings. And we have like the USA building, Australia, um, Great Britain. And everyone has like their own building okay. from every country. And like on that building, it's like different levels. So it's like track and field up here, swimming, diving, like gymnastics, like, you know, everyone, like every sport. And so, you know, even though track and field, you see like, oh, like what event? And they're like, oh. I'm snowboarding or like, you know, just, you're like, oh, okay, fencing. You're like, oh, wow. And so it was really cool to just meet different like Olympians 
the representative USA, like all in the building and like the um, food, like we have like this dining hall. And so you'll walk down the, like a little, it's like not that far. And it's this big dining hall, two levels. And literally like they have like all different types of food there. And like all the countries are there, like everyone. And you're like, there's Jamaica. Oh my gosh, there's the Netherlands. And it was really cool. And it was exciting. I wanted to be more involved, but with COVID, you were scared. Oh, okay. Because you know, you if you tested done. positive, oh, you, you were done. Feet. Yeah. Oh. like. How, how often did you guys test? How did that work? Every day, every morning. Every morning? Every morning. Wow. And so you really, like, mentally, you couldn't call yourself Olympia. I know myself until I competed at the Olympic Stadium. It's like, I'm in Tokyo, I'm here. But I'm not Olympia yet until I compete. And it's like, every day when you take your COVID test, you're like, Lord, hope it's negative. Like, you're just, <laughs> yes. Because if you get that positive, they'll test you again. And if it's positive, like, that's it. Done. There's wow. done. And so until I got out there and they're like, Burks, your nets, I'm like, I jumped, I was like, okay, I'm an Olympian. I'm finally Olympian. <laughs> but you couldn't celebrate, I didn't celebrate until I got that day to jump. So you're at the Olympics, there, there was no, no fans? No, not, no. So that was kind of probably not what you wanted, but no. still an Olympian. Yes. Take me through what's, take me through what's going through your mind when you're about to do long jump. What's, what's all going through your mind? What's your strategy? Like, what is the idea for Quinesha Burks of long jump? Well, I, um, every morning I have a devotional I do to calm me down. Or I'm talking to my sports psych, eat my, I only eat a breakfast. I only eat breakfast, a full breakfast. I do not do anything else. You, so you compete at 8 p.m. You only? No, I gotta just eat breakfast. That's been a thing I've been doing since college. I, but I eat a big breakfast, and so I skip lunch. And I've always, I doesn't, it doesn't matter what time I'm competing, I only eat breakfast. And so I start my devotional, I eat my breakfast, and then I start my gospel, then I lead to some meek meal, and I go to Nicki Minaj, <laughs> and so it goes like a whole range. Right. And then I listen to like piano, instrumental, like it's weird, my range of music. But after like I get hyped, I listen to Eric Thomas and Inky Johnson, and I get the motivation, and I'm like, I belong here, then I hype myself up. And then I get on the bus, and you're like, with us, you know, we get on the bus with our competitors. So you're seeing them, you know, and it's like, hey, but it's like, I'm trying to talk to you right now. Like, I'm trying to beat you right now in a couple hours. So that, but literally, it, you're warming up, and you're with them. Like, you're all warming up with them. And so we're just sitting there, like, let me see how her ace skips looking. Or, you know, you're trying to focus, but it's like your competition's right there. Nope. So at that time, I just get into tonal vision. I get worked on. And I just start speaking, like, trust the process goals. And I try not to think about the end goals or the result, but, like, the process. And at that day, I'm like, Q, you're short compared to a lot of the jumpers, but you have speed. You are fast. You're one of the fastest long jumpers ever. Like, so you have to think about that. Use your speed. And I tell myself, push out the back, transition, and run through the board, and just run. And that's literally, like, the three things I tell myself. So when I feel like I'm getting worked up and my anxiety is going, I'm like, Go back, cue, remember. And so that calms me down. And after that, once they line us up, because call, the final call, all the like, com competition, we all come together and we're sitting there and we're just waiting. And everyone is looking at each other. And it's like, someone about to lose today. I don't know who it is. <laughs> but you know, you're trying to be like, you gotta stay humble, but you have to have that uh. And once you get out there and when it's going, it's time. And so that works for me to stay calm, to not focus on the end results and just focus on being the best version of Quinesha Burst that day. Because if I'm my best version, I know I'm beating people. I know I can beat them. So I just lock into myself. Lock into yourself. Yeah. So I'm competing in the Olympics, fall, short, get yes. ninth, miss finals by. Yeah, I missed one, one spot. One spot. Yeah, yes, by the finals. How. 
not the best feeling, but how no. does that, how do you kind of go back to, I mean, three years is another Olympic, but do you carry that with you? Do you just let that go? I know every, every athlete handles everything different. How, how do you go about that? Um, it was hard. Um, one, it was really, really hard. Like they call, it's like the Olympic blues. And it's like a yeah, sense of like blues. depression after the Olympics. And I definitely feel like I got that. But like at that moment, it was like with USA being the hardest team to make, you put so much, like so many emotions and effort into making that team because you can be number one in the world and not make the USA team yeah. or break the world record. And so like making the team for America was like, whew. now at the Olympics, it's like, okay, we can have fun because the hardest part is the Olympic trials for USA. And so getting there, you know, I was confident and I came up short. Like I was in the finals and then one girl knocked me out at the end. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And at that moment, I felt defeated. And I remember I walked out of the stadium into like this little breezeway and I just sat there and I cried. And I was just crying. I was like, I'm embarrassed. Like, I cannot believe I didn't make the finals. And like, oh my gosh, I'm not representing America the way I should. And I was just so down. And then I had a moment and I was just like, I just stopped. I called one of my friends and she was like, girl, look around. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, you're in Tokyo, Japan, in the Olympic Stadium crying. You are Olympian. And at that moment, she was like, wipe your tears and get up. And I was like, I am. And so at that moment, I had a turning point. I was like, girl, you are Olympian. That's not going away. And so after that, um, after coming back home, like everyone, you know, was like wanting to see me, want to give a parade. And I was really down because like, you know, I felt one, like I fell in front of the entire world. And they're like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yes, I did. The whole world was there. Like the, everyone was there, literally. And, literally, and I was like, everyone was watching the Olympics, and I feel like a failure. And they're like, you're not a failure because to me, you know, like you're amazing. And I was like, I am, but you know, making the USA team does something like it's the hardest part. And so we want a medal. Like you, like I didn't want to just make the team. I want to leave with the hardware and to come up like get that close. Like it's not like one percent, and you get that close and not get a medal. It's like wow. And so that was hard, but. Like I said, like I went through the Olympic blues of just like feeling like I was like regular degler, like regular Q. You know, people know me, but it's like Olympian. Like I went to like 5,000 followers to like over 30,000. And I'm just like, and people okay. like, we want shirts, we want to support you. And all these people supported me. And so it's like, what do you do now? Like, are you always going to be tied to the Olympics? Like you have a life outside of that. And I felt selfish after the Olympics because you know, everyone messaging you, everyone wants to sing you stuff and they're talking about you. And I wanted to hear from everyone else. Like, how are you doing? How's your relationship? Like, I just want to talk to different people, yep. but they were always talking about me. And so I felt very selfish. And then when I would try to express, you know, how sad I am, you know, I just feel like I'm upset. You know, they're like, you shouldn't be upset. Like you went to the Olympics. And so like, they just justify like how I felt. And I'm like, no, like I have feelings. Like I can be upset because I didn't get my goal of getting a medal. So it was hard. And my sports site helped me a lot. And now I talk to a lot of Olympians. And like I was talking to one, um, Anna uh, Cockrell, um, last week, and we were just talking about it. And she was like, how were you after the Olympics? And, I, and we would, like literally shared the same thing. And she was like, yeah, I just felt like, oh my gosh, like the Olympic blues. And so a lot of Olympic us are blues. talking about it. And, but we didn't share it together because you see on social media, you know, you're still posting the Olympics and stuff. Yeah. But deep down, you know, we're all going through it. And with COVID, after making the team, we didn't get to like celebrate with our family and friends. So after I made the Olympic team, I had to fly home and isolate because like we had to do a lot of tests and everything. And so I didn't even get the big celebration, you know, with my family of like, she's going to the Olympics and the send off. And then you get to Olympics and don't, you don't come back with a medal. You're like, I don't want to do a parade. Like, I don't want to be around people. Like I'm embarrassed, I feel. So it was hard at first. <laughs>
I, I never knew about this Olympic blues, but it yes. sounds like a definite thing. Yeah. With my Olympic, Olympic blues, do you have anything similar? Like, because, I mean, you're performing at the highest of the highest level, and there's Twitter. So many people are so <laughs> vocal about you guys, and they're like, they feel like they control you. And I couldn't imagine, honestly, being in your position because I would go off on everyone on social media. So how is it feeling like, you know, meeting the expectation of others and just going through everything? I think... I thought it was really interesting with the Olympic Blues, but I think for football, you have, you, it, you spoke a lot about, you know, your psych and mental health and different things. I think with football, you really have to be very careful, especially during the season of, you know, the highs and lows. I think, you know, life is all about highs and lows. I think the biggest thing I try to do is just try to just stay even. Like you always get excited, but you can never get too down. You don't want to stay excited, but you don't want to yeah. stay down. So it's yeah. always going to even kill. And I think, you know, those blues are like, for, for me, it's like you play a bad game. You only have a small window to kind of be down. But mm, there's also, yeah. you have seasons when you're like, we should, I felt I've been here and there's two seasons where we really had a good shot at winning a Super Bowl. And when you, you fail, you're like, Dang, you got to watch all these teams that like I'm. I know my team was better than this team, and so you kind of go through like, and that's the time that you actually have time to actually kind of soak in that a little bit more than usual, because you're you don't have a game the next week, and you're like, dang, and then you know this guy I was with. I'm, he might not be here next year. This guy's with. Oh. I might not be here. You you, you think about all that think stuff, that. and it's it's uh it's a surreal feeling just because it's. This, this industry goes you know, so fast for, for good reason. Yeah. And those real, I guess, Olympic blues for me is after those seasons when, you know, you have a down year, like I had a down year last year and you're just like, all right, why did I have a down year? How can I have a better year? How can the team be better? How can I help the team get to where we want to go? The weirdest thing I think has been becoming a veteran on the team. And you're like, mm. we were, the other day I was like, we don't really got that many old guys. And then I looked at myself, I said, I think I'm the old guy. Like, you know what I mean? So that was really weird. Um, that was really weird to me. Like, and then I'm talking to different guys at a thing in LA, and they're like, bro, the, the leadership at the Ravens has always been there. It's just that now that you're that guy to do it. And I'm yeah. like, dang, I am. Like, and so I, I guess like I kind of peeped last year when different young guys were coming to me, asking me this, asking me that, but I never, it never really clicked that like, when I was a when I was a rookie, and I was going to Brandon Carr, Eric Weddle, talk Tony, like talking to those guys, and they were like, "Yo, this is how we do it." I'm sitting here. I mean, Brandon Carr told me this is the NFL kind of in a nutshell uh, when you got a good veteran. Brandon Carr, we're sitting in the sauna. He's like, "Bro, you the one." He's starting in front of me. He, he's he's a starter. I'm behind it. He's like, "Yeah, you, it's just time's coming. Like, it won't be long." It was it was really good to to hear those things and have good veteran leadership yeah. um, when I was early. So that's something that I definitely want to make sure I'm I'm doing kind of to give back to the young guys. Do you have a sports psych or like you know do you have any resources that you use or that's available for you? So for me, I I never really realized different things that I was doing. So when I was actually in college, we had uh, a lady. Her name was Hillary, and I it was a class or something else, but I ended up using her as, without really knowing I was using her for that, but I actually used her unlike really anybody else that was in the room. Yeah. So even when I wasn't required to be in there, I would just come in there and really just talk life. And I think 
even really before I really knew what mental health was, it helped me just kind of get through things and just yeah. talking about things and just yeah. going through it. And then as I go to the NFL, um, I talk a lot with our team chapel. Um, and so when, when times get tough for me, um, I, 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 a lot of times, you know, I just, whether it's just talking to somebody, I mean, I, I mean, sometimes it's just talking things out, just hearing your own self talk about what's going on. And I think it just helps so much, you know, dealing with mental health. I think that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. And for me, what's another thing that's helped me out is you can't think football, 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 football. I feel yes. like it ends up just leading to your own destruction. Yes. And so for me, having a lot of other interests and doing different things, and I always take a, a trip out of the country every year. I got my place back home. It's been like a family project, Marquee Oasis. Doing all these different things has really helped me with, with my mental stability. Um, you know, whether it's social media, you know, having fun. I walk, I record a lot of guys, like all the time. Like Gus is my locker mate. Yeah. He, he hates me. He hates this. me every other day. Every time I walk up, I put my phone out. He's like, not today, not today. <laughs> so, you know, really a lot of times, as weird as it sounds, the guys give me a lot of joy. I, I really enjoy walking into the building, dealing with the guys. Um, I, I got a good locker room. But all these, all those things have really helped me with, with, with my mental stability. Just, I think I enjoy, I don't see myself smiling, but I enjoy seeing other people smile. And I feel like whether I'm saying something kind of crazy, saying something kind of dumb, saying something kind of goofy, Seeing somebody smile, um, it helps my mental health. Yeah. Which that sounds pretty lame. But no. That's kind of that's kind of what it is. It. So no. it's like there's so many different things out there yeah. that can just help you tremendously. And I think never be, you know, too shy to go try. I think if you could just find anyone to talk to that would be willing to. Yeah. I mean, there's hotlines if you have absolutely no one. There's just so many different things um that that just would really help you. And sometimes just go outside. You know what I mean? Literally. Like, being outside has been great for me. I mean, my dad, my dad lost a lot of weight just working out at my, at my farm back home. My mom be coming out there. She is not a, you know, person to do all that like that. Brianna, my, I mean, I, we have family outings all the yeah. time. And um, just being outside, I think, is just really good. Just hit, let the sun hit you and, and all that. So. And you can be yourself. I feel like you don't yeah. have to hear about football. Like, yeah. it's like, I'm just Marlon Humphrey, like, and yeah. just Vimy. And I feel like everyone ties us to our sports so much. It's like, mm -hmm. it's what we do. Like, we have, uh, our identity is more and it's bigger than that. And like, everyone's like, yes, like, I love when people want to hear my Olympus story. But you know, it's just like, you know, I have other things like I can do. I think I can sing, <laughs> Look, <laughs> but I can't, I can't now. I think I can <laughs> but, too. But it's like other things instead of like always talking about it. And there was a point like, I didn't want to talk about the Olympus so much. Because I just feel like, oh my gosh, you guys, like, ugh. And so I can't imagine, you know, like, always hear about football, like, next year, this year, like, y'all gonna do this. It's just like, we're more than just athletes. We are more than athletes. We have yeah. so much more to give. And don't say, like, stick to football, stick to track. No, we're not a robot. We have so much more to give. And I really love, like, you know, mental health is so important. I feel like you have to be aware of your mental health to stay at the top and be where you are. Like, you have to, because there's so many people that can distract you and get you off the path and like really like get you down. And like you said, I love how you're like, I take a trip. I take a trip as well. Like after the season, I'm literally like, I gotta go somewhere. Like <laughs> this year is Dubai and I'm so ready. Dubai. And so I love like, you know, we actually have like similarities to what we do. And so I love that a lot. Yeah. You spoke on celebration. Yeah. You're kind of doing a little celebration with DC, going to yes. see Joe Biden, president. 
as everyone should know. <laughs> what are you, first off, tell me about it as like the entire Olympic team coming. And if you get a chance to talk with Joe Biden, are you going to ask him anything? Oh, well, um, yes, the entire um, Summer and Winter Olympics, we all come all, together. All together. Yeah, okay. everyone's here. And so it's been a great opportunity. We've been here. Um, we're going to visit the Capitol, and they have a summit for us, like how to transition from Olympian to, um, like, like business, or like outside of the Olympics, and, like, talking about, like, mental health, like, after the Olympics. Because your life completely changes. Like, you're Olympian. And going to visit the final day is Joe Biden. Uh, I'm really excited. This is actually something that I always have on my list. Like, you know, once I make the Olympic team, I'm going to visit the president. I don't care who it is, I'm going. And so I'm really excited. Um, I'm nervous. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I really don't know if I have a question right now, but I do want to do a TikTok with them. TikTok and Joe yes, Biden. You know the one, it's like, you know, what would you tell Joe Biden right now? It's like, what's up, baby? Take me to dinner. So oh, okay. I really want to do it with him. But we'll be looking for that. Yes, we'll be looking I for would that. too. <laughs> Take me to dinner, Joe. <laughs> Joe Biden. Um, okay, so things come full circle. Yeah. Like full circle. When I, when you made the Olympics, you posted a picture. Yeah. Of you working at McDonald's, and I know you were working there. Some would say it was just a job, but you were helping to, with your bills at your grandmother's house. Yeah. And then you ended up doing a collab with McDonald's yeah. after you make the team. Yeah. How crazy is it to look back and be like, wow, like I, I really, I mean, there's, I'm not going to say working at McDonald's at the bottom, but <laughs> you, it, it came full circle. They were paying you, and now they're paying you for Literally. just being you. Yeah. How was that kind of seeing that feeling? Not that, I mean, kind of you. Yeah. Really made it. You've really arrived. Yeah. Um, it's crazy because um, that story, like, literally, I worked at McDonald's, and if you guys knew, like, McDonald's sponsored the Olympics. Yeah. And so I was, like, 16 at the time working at McDonald's, and we were advertised to the Olympics. And I was like, I'm going to the Olympics as I'm taking people orders. You know, like, yeah, anyways, extra fries. You know, I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to the Olympics. And so, like, to others, it's a job. But to me, it was to provide for my family. It was a way we weren't financially off. And so, that $100, $115 check every two weeks, that helped, like with car insurance, with my Grammy. Like I was doing a lot and like people, I guess like I never share my story a lot because to me it was normal, but like I would wake up literally at 4.30 every morning, take my grandmother to work because there was only one car. Take her to work, then I'll come back and I have two little sisters at the time and they were like probably five and four. And I would get them ready for school and daycare. I would drop them off, then I would drop, leave the car at the high school, go to class, then afterwards I would have basketball track practice, and then I would get a ride to McDonald's, and I will work four to 10, and then I'll come home, and I'll do my homework, and then I start over every day. And so to others, it's like, what? You were doing that in high school? I was like, yeah. And that was normal to me because I knew I needed to provide for my family. And so, but at McDonald's, like a lot of people don't know, like that equipped me to who I am now. Like, you know, how to work hard, like how to work under pressure, like how to multitask. And I valued like money at the time and I knew how to like manage my money. And so um, even when I was getting like recruited, college coaches would come to the McDonald's lobby to recruit me. And they would call me wow. and they were like, hi, like, you know, we're, like Alabama, like Coach Pate literally was trying to get in contact with me. He would call me. I was like, hey, I'm at drive through I can't talk right now. And like, hang up. <laughs> like, and they're like, girl, like we're trying to offer you a lot of money, a full scholarship to the University of Alabama, and you're hanging up because you're at McDonald's drive-thru. So he literally had to get my high school coach. was like, I don't think Burks understand like what we're trying to do for her. Like we're giving her a full scholarship. And like the whole SEC, like literally Mississippi State coach was in the lobby and the manager was like, hey, 
some guy here, like from Mississippi State, want to talk to you? I was like, oh yeah, that's the coach. He just want to recruit me. And like on my break, he would sit there with all the papers and like, yeah, we have a full scholarship here. This is what you would get. Wow. And I'll just be like, okay, well, let me just get all this because my break is about to end. And so I'm like, and it was crazy, but you know, they understood. And so being able to know, like, you know, working at McDonald's, and the crazy thing is, once I signed my scholarship, full scholarship to compete to run at Alabama, I still worked at McDonald's. And so all your peers coming through, you know, and I'm over here just signing a whole scholarship, and I'm like, hi, can I take an order? And literally, it was like a home in the beginning. So now, um, I tweeted that, and I really did not think anything about it. And because, and I have pictures, and you know, I was like, I'm like, I'm happy working at McDonald's. You like, are. I'm you know, big happy. Smile. Big smile. Like, and so having that picture, I just literally tweeted, like, you know, started McDonald's now to the Olympus. I had no clue it would go viral. I had no clue. And that's thing you know, like, McDonald's like responded. Then they DM me, and they wanted to send me apparel. And then like the president of McDonald's literally like followed me on Twitter, and I was like. Oh my goodness, is this really the president? And so it was, and I had a whole meeting with them, and they were like, yeah, we've been sent your story, like so many people. So it was really cool to like meet with them, like at this phone table. I'm like, oh, I'm even the president of McDonald's. And so that was cool. And then to be able to get a deal out of, out of it with them was honestly a blessing as well. And I told them, like, you know, and like I was just myself. I was like, to some, it's just a job, but to me, this was a way for my family to help my family. And it's literally like this, like this slogan, like, you know, I worked for them, now I'm working with them. And I'm like, what in the world? And so it's cool just to know like where I started from to where I am now. And so many people love the story. They're like, it's the American dream. And I'm like, I guess it is. And I think I just didn't realize how much I was doing at a young age, but I feel like that all equipped me to be where I am now, like now. At the Olympic, like, you know, the Olympic trials. I know how to handle pressure. I know what it is, you know, how to multitask and how to handle things. But I feel like it all, like, I developed that when I was young, working at McDonald's and balancing, you know, my family and everything like that. Q? We gotta do the, the jump. Oh, yeah. Um, you gotta see. Wait, do you know how far? What's my furthest jump? Do you know? 23-4. 22 <laughs> You wanna show? I can show you. Guess. You ready? Yeah, sure, let's go. Okay, let's I don't, do it. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna, um, okay. take, me, take me through a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually tore my hamstring in high school trying to do long jump, messing around with darn long jump. All right, let's okay. see. It. Take me, take so me through. So let's long jump count here. it out. Okay, I'm gonna start right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. What are, what are you doing? I don't think it's enough. It's not enough. So it'd probably be like from here. That's from how far there, you jump. Yes, that's how far. So from here all the way to here. That's and not so, far enough. Yeah, and that's not even far enough. So it's past the um, sign, that past the black thing. Okay. So what we do is literally, I would run, and it would be a whiteboard, and I literally just take off. Do you do a hitch kick, or do, how do you? No, I'm not a hitch kicker. So I'm more, I just go in the air, and I just land like this. But I'm not, I don't like, like do the little straw hitch kick at all. But literally, if this is the line, the white line, because you have to jump on the white line. If you jump past it, it's a foul. But literally, I go. And right here, I'm in the air, all the way out there, and I land out there. Literally, like I'm landing. And talk, talk about the landing. <laughs> right. I think the landing of long no, jump. Here. I don't know the idea exactly with the landing. What exactly is the idea with the landing? You have, you guys, land and spin out all yes. kind of aggressively. Well, when you Tell think about, about it, you're running as fast as you can while trying to control the speed to take off at a line and jump as far as you can with collapsing your whole entire body into the sand. 
And when you say it like that, it's like so dramatic. <laughs> but that's all these bandages because I cut my arm up in my last competition. But honestly, you can hurt your back. Like if you just like if you don't understand it like all the way. And what my problem is, I veer to the left a little bit, which shortened my distance. But literally, people literally like you go put your hand, you go up, and you literally like just gradually go and collapse your whole body like this. Literally, your arms and your legs need to meet like this and get farther out there as you can. And just land in the sand. One more question. What is the biggest, <laughs> the biggest misconception people have with track? I, I know the, the worst question the track fleets hate getting asked is by football guys is, what's your 40? Yes. Which they don't really know that. We, what is the biggest misconception? Do not do 40s, okay? Yes, yes. And guys out there, their little pickup lines, <laughs> like, what's your 40 time? I can beat you. Please stop, stop. Like, I do we'll not do. like that. But we do not do 40s, we do 60 meters. Yes. And I think that people think, oh, track speed and football speed. And I promise you, I love football. And you guys are like crazy, like elite athletes. Just like track and field, really athletes as well. And I feel like if people just will understand, like respect the sports instead of like competing with each other. Like, yes, I love how DK, like, you know, came in like, um, ran at the track meet and to get understanding. And I feel like and you as an athlete, you know, you ran track and football. And I feel like they think, well, they ran that, but we can do this. And it's, like, it's not the same. And I think they did a comparison, was it with Tyreek or DK, with comparing him to Usain Bolt? Oh, yeah. That is, DK. no. Like, I know that is wrong. Right. Well, yeah. And I just fish, like, they're like, well, he's running this fast and they're trying to, no, it's not the same. It's not the same. And I just feel like, I think every football player, from what I'm looking at, they say they need to run track. I'm just saying, I mean, hey, you did both. What do you think? I mean, I think it helps a lot. I think um, as a track coach, did that for four years, I try to get every football player to run track just because it's, I mean, speed is kind of the name of the game in most sure. sports. And I think track is tough. Track is definitely tough. It's definitely. And I wish, it, like, you know, we got more respect for it as well. And, like, and that's why I feel like, you know, the Olympics, like if you like people determine um, a successful track career if you made the Olympic team. And that's all we associate with. Successful career is being in that conversation. I think in track, the thing I like about track is it's it's a fact. If I run nine five, I'm the fastest person ever. There's no debating. And I think that's a big reason why track doesn't get a lot of respect. There's nothing to debate. Yeah. We love debates. <laughs> we love seeing me yeah, match up this guy, and then the next day you can talk about it for 30 minutes. You love seeing who's better, Lamar Jackson or this guy, and then you can talk about that for yeah. a week. And track is like, Quenisha Burke should jump farther than this girl. We love a debate. <laughs> I think the society loves a debate. People yeah. love to argue. People want to disagree, and it's, it's great for TV. But track, there's nothing to do. Football, you can talk about that. Basketball, every other sport, is, track yeah. is like the only sport where it's so, it's one race. Mm -hmm. So it's not yeah. even tennis. You, it's, yeah, it's one-on-one, -on -one, but there's, so one, this one, there's, there's so many matches. Yeah. So I think, that's I think good. that's the biggest thing. There's nothing to. There's no friction. It's all about friction. Yeah. And and it was hard. a big debate when DK came and everyone was like, I think he's gonna run this. Or yeah, that. that that's, and so, yeah. That brought a lot of good exposure. Mm -hmm. I think and it was D, great for think, the exposure for track and field. Yeah, I think honestly. DK's doing a really good job um, with that. I, I want to see Tyreek getting some spikes again. I'm I know, ready. I know he was really, really fast. I think. I'm ready for Tyreek. I think there are some things, but I think it's it's hard to compete with. Who do you have? Oh, I have whoever's running the track. <laughs> For sure. Now, I love Tyreek, but I, I got whoever's running the track. Okay, so you got the track. Q, thank you very much. Thank you.
You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.